Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Abgenommen bedauert. Listen for the saint. The Saint, the hero of a hundred thrilling yarns of breathless adventure and mystery, the Robin Hood of modern crime, the 20th century's gayest buccaneer, already immortalized in 25 best-selling books, half a dozen popular motion pictures and countless magazine stories. The Saint, by Leslie Charteris, brought to you now in a new medium, the radio. And the author, Mr. Leslie Charteris himself, will appear on this program personally introducing his famous character. Have you read the latest The Saint book? has revolutionized the technique of adventure writing. The Saint has won friends in every corner of the globe. The Saint, who made such men as P.G. Wodehouse write to the author... I hope you're going to write dozens more Saint stories. They're simply corking. Stories of thrilling adventure that made naturalist William Beebe say... If I were marooned at the bottom of the sea in my bathosphere, I'd choose the Saint stories for company. And humorist Will Cuppy christened the saint... The Prince of Adventurers. The saint's exploits have been translated into every European language. Critics have placed him in the tradition of Sherlock Holmes and Raffles. But actually, he's like neither. He is unique. And so I bring you the only man who can do him justice. The author who first brought him to life. Oh, Mr. Charteris. Yes, coming. But wait. Before Leslie Charteris speaks, let me tell you that he isn't the gray-whiskered author you may have pictured... In spite of all the exciting things he's done, he's still only 33. And yet, he knows what he's writing about. For 14 years, he's been traveling and adventuring all over the world. And more than half the saint's exploits are founded on things he has seen himself. But meet Mr. Leslie Charteris for yourself. Good evening. Mr. Charteris, tell us how you see the saint's character. Well, that uh, is rather a tall order. Let's, uh, Let's say that he has a sense of humor. He never takes anything too seriously, not even himself. Of course, he has his own idealistic motives for poking the ungodly in the snoot, but uh, he really thinks it's quite a lot of fun, too. And do you let the public share the fun with oh, him? I hope they do. 
After all, the world is full of villains who ought to be jumped on, and uh, I suppose most people would really like to take a share in the jumping. But since most of them aren't quite so quick on the draw as they'd like to be, they don't mind letting the saint do it for them. <laughs> I know just what you mean. I've often felt that way myself. So which of these adventures are you bringing us tonight? The Miracle Tea Party. The Miracle Tea Party? <laughs> yes, it sounds screwy, doesn't it? But it explains itself as we go along. Well, who else is in it beside the saint? Uh, there's Patricia Holm, of course. She's the saint's beautiful companion in crime, isn't she? You could put it that way, but anyway, she's uh, been in most of the saint's adventures. Then uh, there's Furnack. Oh, you mean Inspector John Henry Furnack of the Detective Bureau? Yes. He's quite an old favorite in the saint series, isn't he? The saint certainly has given him a lot of gray hairs, though. Well, they've had a few battles, but they really think quite a lot of each other. Now, on this occasion... Furnack's indigestion was what really started the whole thing. His indigestion? Yes. Oh, he was in all kinds of trouble. The New York police commissioner was running him ragged about some espionage business. And, of course, the pains in his tummy weren't helping him a bit. I suppose the story really began when the commissioner was sitting in his office, waiting for Inspector John Henry Furnack to come up on the carpet. Yes? Inspector Furnack is outside, Commissioner. Oh, send him in. You sent for me, Commissioner? Yes. I'm still waiting for your report on that espionage business out at the airplane factory. Well, my men are doing their best, sir. And you better get some men who can do better. I promised the FBI months ago we'd crack this case. But, You're sir, laying I... down on the job, Furnack. I want action, I want it fast. Yes, sir. And another thing. Why haven't you rounded up this man, Simon Templer, fellow they call the saint? Well, you can't arrest a man without evidence, Commissioner. Then get some. Everybody knows the man's a crook, one of the most notorious crooks in the country. Well, we've never been able to prove it, Commissioner. Ah, in a minute, you'll be telling me you've fallen for this stuff about him being the modern Robin Hood. Well, the things he does generally seem to turn out all right. He's even helped me a lot of times. Oh, Fernack, you must be getting soft in the head. What's the matter with you? Are you sick or something? Well, I... Well, as a matter of fact, sir, I, I am. I, I'm, I'm suffering from indigestion. Indigestion? Well, why don't you get something for it? Why don't you get some miracle tea? Is that the stuff they advertise in the radio? Yes. Why don't you buy some? Well, I, I will, sir. I'll, I'll stop in at a drugstore on my way home. Yes, sir. Good evening. What can I do for you? Well, give me some... Give me a package of miracle tea. One package of miracle tea? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, here you are, sir. And uh, isn't there something else? What do you mean, something else? What are you looking at me like that for? Come on, give me that stuff and take your money. Hey, hey, wait. Hey, mister, come back here. I made a mistake. He's gone. Oh, oh, Mr. Osbert. Uh, Mr. Osbert, quick. What's the trouble out there? Oh, a terrible mistake, sir. A customer came in and I, I made a terrible mistake. Down the street. 
Hey, hey, you, stop! Oh, well, well, well. If it isn't my old friend, John Henry Fernack. The saint. Now, what did you do that for? I'm ashamed of you, Henry, rolling in the gutter at your age. Well, you hit me. You... I'm walking down the street a lot, and you hit me, Oh, Shane. don't be an ass, Henry. I was just passing by when I saw a bloke in the distance whacking you over the bean with a piece of lead pipe. I ran after him. And, and... he got away, huh? Yes, I thought of asking him to come and have a drink on it, but he ran too fast. Was he a friend of yours? I don't know what it's all about. I I just came out of that drugstore back there, and I, I heard footsteps behind me, and I... Oh, Lord, my head. You better go home, Henry, and rest that dented dome. Taxi. Oh, Taxi. Now, be careful of him, driver. He's very fragile. Sorry I can't go with you, Henry, but I'm late already. I've got a date with someone much more beautiful than you. Well, I suppose I ought to thank you. But I'm still not sure that you didn't sock me, Simon Templer. 1444 Prospect Place. So long, Henry. Call me any time you want a bodyguard. Hey, wait, Henry, you dropped your package. Ah, well, I'll just have to keep his little package with me until the morning. Hello, Simon. You're late. Oh, I ran into a little excitement on the way, darling. What's in the box you're carrying? Orchids? Now, Pat, give me back that box. It's not mine. Well, tea. A package of tea. Miracle tea for indigestion. Indigestion? <laughs> so your sins are catching up with you. Pat, now don't open it. It belongs Simon, to someone. Simon, where did you get all this money? What money? The money that's in this package of tea. It's full of thousand-dollar bills. Let's have a look. One, two, three, four, five. Five thousand dollars? Miracle tea. <laughs> what an excellent name for it. Simon, where do you get this tea? Believe it or not, Inspector Fernack dropped it and I picked it up. Inspector Fernack? Mm-hmm. A few moments ago, I found him being beaten up by some plug ugly. I rescued the poor old buzzard and poured him into a taxi. Then I found this package lying on the sidewalk. Uh, this money, Simon. Do you think it's real? No doubt of it. Maybe you've grabbed poor old Fernack's life savings. Well, he has a bank account, darling. Police inspectors don't carry their worldly wealth around in packets of tea. Graft. Simon, maybe he's taking graft. John Henry, no. He's so honest it runs out of his ears. Then what? Well, let's see. John Henry had a pain in his tum-tum and stopped into Osbert's drugstore on the way home. My hunch is that he was handed this packet by mistake. My further hunch is that right now there must be considerable agitation going on in Mr. Osbert's drugstore. Mr. Osbert, please, sir. How was I to know it wasn't our man? Come over here, you fool. But how was I to know it was Inspector Fernick of the police department? He, he, he came in so, so quietly. He lowered his voice just like one of our own men. I said, come here. I ran after him. I almost had the package back, sir. But when this other fellow came along and he... You went... incompetent fool! Oh, please, Mr. Osbert. It was a mistake. This other fellow was twice my size and he killed me. That, my friend, might have saved me the trouble. Come here. Oh, no. No! Please! No! Darling, I wish you'd explain. 
Where are we going? Osbit's Drugstore in search of further miracles. Well, there's the drugstore right over there. Now, come in with me, darling. What fun. Well, good evening, sir. And what can I do for you? Is Mr. Osbit around? Uh, uh, what's it about? It's about this package of tea. I'd, uh, I'd like to return it. A friend of mine bought it, but decided he wouldn't risk taking it. So I said, uh, Fernac, old pal, why waste a perfectly good half dollar? I'll take it back and change it for you. Uh, did, did you say your friend's name was Fernac? Yes, you, you probably know him. Great detective and all that sort of thing. Oh, I'm sure we can change this package for you, sir. If, uh, now, if you wait right here, sir, I'll get Mr. Osbert. Simon, his eyes popped out of his head when you mentioned Fernac. It worked, my sweet. You notice how he grabbed the packet and scuttled up those back stairs? Osbert must be back there. You stay here, darling, in the store while I see what goes on. Oh, Mr. Osbert. What are you bursting in for? Your job is down below in the store. It's Fernac's package, sir. A man just brought it in the store, wants to exchange it. Fernac's package? Give it to me. Ah, you're crazy. There's no money in here. But, but he said... Well, the fellow said... Listen. Who's there? Hello, little people. Hope I'm not interrupting. Oh, don't bother searching that box, Mr. Osbert. I removed the do-re-mi and sealed it up again. Who are you? I know who he is. I've heard about that whistle. The saint. That's who he is. The saint? So... You see, I want to learn about your business, Comrade Osbert. I don't know what your racket is yet... Obviously, it's something big if you can give away five grand with a four-bit packet of tea. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yes, you do. Take your hand away from that pocket, Osbit. <laughs> Miss me, old boy. Very bad manners, but if you want to play rough... <laughs> Next, please. Let me alone. I, I didn't do anything. Simon. Simon, are you all right? All right. I'm having a beautiful time. Osbit pulled a gun, so I had to put them both to sleep. Come on, darling. Let's go downstairs again and look after the shop. <laughs> Let me have ten cents worth of cough drops, please, and hurry it up. Ten cents worth? Yes, sir. Here you are. Here, here. Not all that. Only ten cents worth, I said. Special bargain price today, sir. Three pounds for a dime. I'd like some razor blades. Now, why don't you try this excellent electric razor? But I don't want an electric razor. Exactly the same price as the blades. We're selling electric razors for a dime today, sir. Here you are. But I don't want an electric razor. A dollar bottle of Croix de Paris perfume, please. Here you are, miss. It's reduced to a quarter today. And please accept these bath salts. Oh, really? It's very kind of you. Don't mention it. It's Mr. Osbit's birthday today, and he's in the mood. <laughs> Simon, you're giving the whole store away. It may be loads of fun, darling, but where is it getting us? Not very far yet, but I've really been hanging around here in the hopes that someone at... No, not a customer. What a revolting specimen. I wonder how much he'd charge to haunt a house. Out of the way, darling. Yes, sir. What will it be? Razor blades? Shaving cream? Hot water bottle? I haven't seen you before. Then you should admire the view. Where's Ossie? Uh, Ossie? Yeah. Oh, dear old Ossie's lying down for a while. Got a headache or something. Say, have you tried our passion flower lipstick? Cut the comedy. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Here, give Ossie this prescription. And find out when my... my medicine will be ready. Come back at six o'clock this evening. I think your your medicine will be ready for you then. Six o'clock? Okay. So- 
Simon, what did that man give you? This piece of paper. He called it a prescription. Well, after all, this is a drugstore. Well, look at it, Pat. Ever see a doctor write out a prescription like that? It's a drawing. A floor plan of a building. Now, I suppose, we have to go back to burglary. No, my pet. I think we've run into something bigger than burglars. What then, Simon? I don't know. I think I'll go upstairs again and investigate our sleeping beauties. Come on, Patricia. Roll over, Ossie. Let's see what you've got in your pockets. Ah, here's a wallet. What's inside, Simon? Oh, very interesting. Uh, Mr. Osbitt has a driving license and a credit card, both made out in the name of Baron and Nescu, 577 Park Avenue. I wonder if Ossie has been leading a double life. Anything interesting in the desk? Mm, just these papers. They look like a lot of radio commercials about miracle tea. Let's see them. Well, this doesn't look very sinister. Let's take them along anyway. Your babies are waking oh. up, Simon. Oh, I've had enough exercise for today. Come on, darling, let's go. I think we've earned a drink. Make mine a miracle tea and soda. Simon, we've had dinner. Why aren't we doing something about Baron and Eskew instead of sitting at home listening to the radio? Well, aren't you satisfied, darling? We're hot on the trail of one of the most ingenious rackets I've ever heard of. Money flows like water. Plans are handed over a drugstore counter. And packets of tea get spiked with thousand-dollar bills. What you really mean is that this thing has still got you buffalo. On the contrary, my deductive genius is just getting into high gear. You know, I'm convinced that there's some connection between these miracle tea broadcasts and the racket we're on to. That's why I've been studying all these radio commercials you found in Osbitt's office. Just been waiting for the program to come on the air, and I, I think it's due right now. Good evening, everybody. Folks, why not try Miracle Tea, the amazing health beverage which has brought relief to so many sufferers. Let me read you a few testimonials. Mrs. G.K. of Brooklyn writes... Years, I don't I'm see what this radio program has to do with Osbeth's drugstore and the money and the plans. Don't you? Listen. And Mr. J.B. of Philadelphia writes, Miracle Tea has indeed performed miracles for me. Miss L.G. of Trenton writes, Pat, I was right. I got it. A code signal. It's one of the neatest I ever came across. Code signal? Yes, it's so gorgeously simple I almost missed it. The one thing I couldn't figure out was how the agents of this ring knew when to visit Osbitt's drugstore. Well, this is how it's done. The initials of the operative the big boss wants to get in touch with are given over the radio. Through the testimonials. Exactly. No detective on earth could trace the connection between a radio broadcast and the, the particular person who listens to it. Well, yes, after all, anybody can go into a drugstore and buy a patent medicine without attracting attention. Yes, and then the, the package contains the wages of work well done, like the one Fernak got hold of, or instructions for another job. Darling, you're wonderful. Don't you ever amaze yourself. Constantly. Give me the phone. Whom are you calling? I'm going to organize a little tea party of my own. Inspector Fernack speaking. Hello, John Henry. And how is the little tum-tum this evening? Simon, haven't you anything better than do than to call me up at this time of night and make funny remarks? Now, seriously, Henry. If you're really interested in cleaning up this espionage business... Just rush one of your squads to Osbitt's Drugstore, the place where you bought your miracle tea. Hey, are you kidding me? For once, I'm not, Henry. Unless I'm very much mistaken, a few other guys are going to be there shopping for miracle tea tonight. 
You'd better pick up everybody who buys it and hold them for questioning. If I thought... But you never have. Don't spoil your record, Henry. Just do as I say, and I'll get in touch with you later. I may have the big shot for you then. But who is the big shot of this ring? Well, I'm not certain, but I'll bet Doe that Baron Anescu could tell us something. I think I'll just run over and ask him. What was the address? Uh, 577 Park Avenue. If you're not back in an hour, I'll meet you there with an ambulance. I'm very sorry, sir, but the Baron is not at home. No? No. Who's playing that typewriter down the hall, then? I'm sorry, sir, but the Baron is not at home. Oh, you repeat yourself, Clarence. Oh! Sorry I had to clout you, but you really were getting monotonous. Now, to find the dear Baron. Hello? Station DLPK. Give me Mr. Vernon, the announcer of the military tea program, please. Hello, Vernon. Here are the testimonials for the 10 o'clock broadcast. Are you ready? Mrs. B.C. of Los Angeles writes, Since drinking your tea, I have become... Hold on. Hold on a moment, Vernon. Good evening, Baron. Put your hand over that mouthpiece. What are you doing here? Don't move. Do you feel this gun in your back, Baron? Talks faster than you can. Now get back on that phone and repeat exactly what I tell you. Hello. Hello, uh, Vernon. Tell him... Tell him you're changing the copy completely. Uh, Vernon, I'm... Uh, I'm changing the copy completely. Tell him to make it read like this. There are many testimonials in our files, and they all praise Miracle Tea. Hello. Make the ten o'clock commercial read. Uh, there are many testimonials in our files, and... Uh, and they all praise Miracle Tea. Stop reaching for that desk drawer, Baron. It makes me nervous. Now say, all of you, everybody, why not buy Miracle Tea tonight? Go on, say it. Uh, all of you, everybody, why not buy Miracle Tea tonight? Now tell him that's all. Uh, the, that's all, Vernon. All right. Now you can turn around. What is the meaning of this? I should say about 15 years for you, Baron. Or would you prefer me to call you Osbert? Osbert? Mm-hmm. I recognized your voice the instant I heard it, in spite of your false whiskers. Besides, I took the liberty of looking through your wallet while you were taking a, a siesta in the shop. Very smart, aren't you, Mr. Templer? I get along. You've been running one of the most efficient espionage rackets in the country, haven't you? Are you crazy? Crazy enough to recognize plans of an airplane factory disguised as a prescription. Well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to leave that to Inspector Fernack. His men are already at your drugstore. They've probably picked up Miss G.K., Mr. L.G., and Mrs. B.C. already. And in a few minutes, when your ten o'clock program goes on the air, there'll be a whole flock of dyspeptics rolling in to join the tea party. I have an uncanny memory for people who interfere with me, Simon Templer. Well, while you're thinking it over in Alcatraz, don't forget to tell the other boys to look out for me. Tell them about the saint. Well, that certainly had me on the edge of my chair, Mr. Charteris. But it seems that Simon did all the work and Inspector Fernack got all the credit. 
You know, uh, in a business like the Saints, you can't advertise too much. Besides, he doesn't own a private jail. No, of course. Well, now, what are you going to tell us about next week? Well, there was a man who was snatching loot out of sunken ships. That sounds interesting. I call that story Saint Overboard. There was a guy named Vogel who was pretending to finance a certain Professor Yule, the inventor of an extra deep-sea diving suit. Remember that exciting moment when Simon was on Vogel's yacht and Professor Yule was going down to make a test? Five hundred and seventy-five feet. Splendid. Professor, can you hear me down there? Yes, Mr. Vogel. I'm on the bottom. Everything is working splendidly. Give me another twenty feet of cable. I'm going to try to walk a bit. Something's gone wrong with the oxygen supply. Quick, bring me up. Hmm. The winch is jammed. Hello? Hello down there. Professor, what can we do? Saint! Get away from that winch, Vogel, or this gun might go off. Now watch me start it. Simon! Look out behind you! I'm afraid we'll have to wait until next week to hear this new story entitled Saint Overboard. Another thrilling adventure in this program by Leslie Charteris. A program in which the author himself, each week, sets the scene for a new story of the saint. The part of the saint is played by the noted English actor of stage, screen, and radio, Dennis Green. And so, until next week... Listen for the saint! of The Saints, starring Vincent Price. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saints. Taxi! Taxi! Uh, 4,500 Sutter, please. It's uh, kind of light, ain't it? Yes, it is. Uh, comes this time of night, I figure a guy should order... Uh, 4,500 Sutter, please. Mind you, I, uh, I don't like to get personal. You Driver. Know, but, uh, yeah? Of all the cabs in San Francisco, most of them operated by drivers who mind their own business. Why did I have to get your cab? Well, I like... 
Who are you going to see at 4,500? My name is Simon Templer. I'm six foot one inches tall, and I have a birthmark on my right shoulder blade. My income for last That's year was... That's all right. Evading the question, huh? I give up. I'm going to visit a man named Clarence Quigley. Clarence Quigley? Clarence You're going to see this uh, alleged Clarence Quigley Look, about... he's got a collection of paintings. I like to look at paintings. Maybe that will seem odd to you, but... Oh, the... come, come now. No temper. Now, if I was with your wife, you'd have to do better than that, you know. Oh. So how much do I owe you? And go away. Oh, would you think I was soaking you if I suggested three bucks? I would. As uh, one man of the world to another, let's uh, make it three bucks anyway. Let's just be yokels and make it 50 cents. Here you are. Well, I... Hey. Hey, is that blonde giving you the eye of me? Blonde? Yeah, the one coming down the street towards us. Oh, yeah. Best, uh, best foot forward. I never saw her before in my life. Elsworth, dear. Oh, Elsworth, dear. Uh, <laughs> I beg your pardon, but that's my neck you've got your arms around, mister. Uh, a man named Clarence Quigley, huh? Driver, stop. Heckling. Miss, whatever your name is, the way you're strangling me is a pleasant way to be strangled, but... Oh, dear. You sound so cold. I'm not Ellsworth, dear. I think I can honestly say I have never been Ellsworth, dear. You're not? No. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. Maybe I just hoped you were. Uh, Don't you know Ellsworth, dear, when you see him? No, I don't, I guess. But, uh... I saw you, and then the name came to me, so I thought... Uh, who is Ellsworth? I don't know. Well, I suppose a certain amount of confusion about uh, who or what Ellsworth is is understandable, but... That but... isn't the worst. It isn't? No. See, not only don't I know who Ellsworth is... But... Yes? I don't even know who I am. <laughs> I want to know in a general sort of way is uh, how Mr. Clarence Quigley is going to feel. Driver, would you mind concentrating on your driving? Uh, you know, he's liable to be frustrated like uh, I'm taking you and a lady right back to where you started. My apartment, yes, because Miss, uh, Miss X needs help. Oh, I feel as though I'm imposing on you, Mr. Kim. Nonsense. The hour's late. You couldn't very well go wandering about the streets indefinitely. Especially in that hat. Anything wrong with my head? Not a thing. No, it's very charming and immaculate. Also, it resembles a bird's home away from home. Well, mister, we have returned from where we went away. Good. Miss X? Thank you. You're going to keep on being a yokel, huh? Here. Mm Mm-hmm. This time only half a yokel. Well, goodbye. You know where I'm going? No. I'm going to lurk outside of Clarence Quigley. I think tonight he's a fellow who needs a friend. I need one, too. Oh, come along now. There you go. Now, take your hat off and make yourself comfortable. All right. I'm so afraid. Oh, quiet now. Let's take a look at your back. Here. Mm Mm-hmm. Usual odds and ends. And they're compact. Initials. DM. DM, does that suggest anything? DM? Hmm. No. No, it doesn't. Nothing means anything. All I remember is being outside an art gallery on Sutton. Oh, you're well-dressed. Compact's gold, no latchkey, which means you probably don't live alone, which could also mean you've been missed. 
Miss Foley? Yes, please. Missing persons bureau. There you are. Uh, hello? Oh, get me Inspector Murray, hmm? Thanks. I'll hold on. hope maybe they know about me. Oh. What's the matter? Why, the touch the back of my head. Terribly keen. Come here. Huh. Yeah, bruise the size of what I wish my bank account was. And there's the cause of your amnesia. Uh, hello, Inspector. Uh, Simon Templer. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> Inspector, your language is deplorable. Inspector, I'm looking for someone, a blonde. Uh, Inspector, no. No. Well, maybe, but not tonight. At any rate, the girl I'm looking for is around 22 years old, blonde hair, blue eyes, height 5 or 3 inches, and thereabouts, wearing a street suit, brown, white blouse with ruffles at the neck, and... What? Oh. Oh, you're looking for her, too. Her name's Dorothy Moore. Uh, why do you want her? Oh, I see. <laughs> I, I guess you've got priority. Goodbye. They want me. Yes, I think. Because I've been reported missing. Partially that. What else do they want me for? Murder. Right here, now try another cup of coffee. Dorothy, I, oh, I guess we'll call you that unless we get evidence to the contrary. Dorothy Moore would fit the initials on your compact. What am I going to do? You stay here and wait for me. Where are you going? Well, from the information I've been able to get on the phone, your guardian, a man named Matthew Schreiber, was shot and killed earlier this evening. You disappeared. That's all the information in the public domain at the moment. I'm going to look for more. At my house? Yes. Well, shouldn't you turn me over to the police? Oh, well, actually, I don't really know that you are Dorothy Moore. I'd like to know a little more about the murder itself before coming to any decision. You mean you want to help me? Yes. I need help, so because... You see, what's so terrible about it all is that... I don't remember anything at all, so... I can't even say I didn't murder anyone. Making you. Come on. Now, wait a minute. Don't shut the door. Why not? I'm coming in. Oh. All right. I uh, hate to seem prying, but uh, who are you? It's Simon Templer. Yeah, an attractive name. Much more distinguished than mine. Oh, what's your name? Walters. Not the most glamorous name in the world, but I'm a butler, so I bear up. Good. Where is everybody? In the library. They're so well-bred. Oh, uh, who is in the library? Mrs. Atkins, the housekeeper, the Cassandra of our day. A gloomy lady prophesying disaster, hmm? Yes. And, of course, there's Mr. Tinsley. Mr. Tinsley? A strange fellow who spends a good deal of his time sitting on small horses and hitting a large ball with a long wooden stick. A polo player. Doesn't matter what you call it, it's no job for a grown man. Uh, what's his relationship to Miss Moore? Oh, let's not start prying, shall we? Exound. Well, to breach your confidence, he's engaged to marry Miss Moore. If and when she's found, and if she happens to be innocent of her guardian's assassination. Oh. Anyone else in the library? No, no, no. Mr. Schreiber, dear departed soul, is detained elsewhere at the morgue. He was shot in the library. Oh, that's a bad place to be shot. Usually fatal. I suppose you take me to the library. 
Tell me, why did the police suspect Miss Moore? Because of me. You see, I told them that I heard shots in the house. I left my quarters on the gallop, ran towards the library. Just before I got there, the door opened and Miss Dorothy ran out. Ran down the hall and out the front door. Is that true? My dear Mr. Templer, if not, would I have told the police otherwise? I don't know. Sergeant, it isn't good form to suspect the butler. The library, sir. Okay. Mrs. Atkins, Mr. Tinsley, Mr. Templer. What do you want? I'm looking for Miss Moore. So, young man, are the police. Why? Her guardian was murdered. All his money goes to her, and she's disappeared. Perhaps she didn't murder Mrs. Shriver. But you wouldn't bet on it. Perhaps I did. I hated him. Perhaps Mr. Tinsley there did. Now, now look here. Isn't he priceless? Now, look here. Such a typical phrase. So typical, I wonder if he can really be so stupid. I love Dorothy and... No one has questioned that. But what is it about her that you love? The money she was to get when Mr. Schreiber died? The money you wouldn't have got if you'd married Dorothy? Against Mr. Schreiber's wishes? Mr. Schreiber didn't approve of the marriage? He, uh... (laughs) Well, he hesitated about it, but uh, we were working on it. And then became impatient. Now, look here. Very you have... I resent that. Good. It is now on record that you resent it. How about Walters? Walters? Yes, what motive would he have? What makes you think he has one? Oh, I'm the hopeful type. Walters is a man with a criminal past. Whether or not he got tired of his upright life here, I cannot say. But it wouldn't surprise you. What may surprise both of you, however, is an odd fact. Dorothy Moore is suffering from total amnesia. Amnesia? What do you mean? She remembers nothing of her past, herself, neither name nor habitation. How horrible. How convenient. Wait a minute. How do you know that? Why get around? Well, then you must know where she is. You've got to tell me. Mr. Tinsley is now being the ardent lover. I can't tell you. Why? Well, whoever shot Schreiber, there's very little doubt that Dorothy saw the killer, but Dorothy doesn't remember. The killer, therefore, would have an urgent interest in getting hold of Dorothy before she did remember and making sure that she would never remember anything again. Well, uh, good night, you lovely people. so much the first time. Where's Dorothy? Miss Moore? Yes. Did she come back here? Back? From where? She was at my apartment. When I got there, she was gone. She did come back here. She didn't ring. Let's find out. Tinsley and Mrs. Atkins still around? Mrs. Atkins has gone up to bed, I think. As for Mr. Tinsley, I imagine he's sampling the whiskey. Yeah, we'll find out. Uh, Tinsley, uh... What? Oh, it's you. Yes, where's Dorothy? 
You're the one who knows. I'm the one who knew. Did she come back here? I haven't seen her. Walters, where's Mrs. Atkins' room? This way, sir. Now, come along, simply. I'd like both of you in sight, sir. If you insist. Mrs. Atkins will not be pleased at having her sleep interrupted. I'm not pleased either. Uh, this is her room, sir. Oh, thanks. girl must be asleep. Well, then we must wake her up. She's a very sound sleeper. Well, then we'll go in and wake her up. <gasps> wow. How do you like that? Mrs. Atkins. Strung up to a beam. Anyone got a knife? Yes. Yes. Here you are. Now, we'll cut the rope and get her down. The bed's over there. Uh-huh. Well, well, that's that. She dead? She's dead. Poor old girl. Although, you know something? What? She must have killed the old man. Shriver, I mean. Then she committed suicide. In, in remorse, I mean. For heaven's sakes, Templar, stop playing with that rope. This is a very interesting rope. Is it? Why? Because it proves, you see, that she didn't commit suicide. She was murdered. Yes, Inspector Murray. I understand you don't think that Mrs. Atkins committed suicide. I know she didn't. Well, while the boys are playing with fingerprints and stuff, uh, would you mind explaining to a poor benighted member of the lower intellectual classes, uh, I mean, uh, a cop like me... Oh, Murray, now stop pulling my leg. You're one of the brainiest men I know. Then why do you always beat me to a case? Oh, I'm prettier. Uh Uh-huh. Now, about this alleged phony suicide... Take a look at the rope with which Mrs. Atkins is supposed to have hanged herself. Now, let's see. The rope was thrown over the beam there. Uh I'm afraid you're right, Temper. Yeah, it wasn't hard to spot. Her weight would have pulled the rope sharply down over the beam. The fibers of the rope, therefore, should have slanted upward. Uh, Instead of which, they slant down, indicating that somebody put the rope around Mrs. Atkins' neck and then hauled her up. We were supposed to think that Mrs. Atkins committed suicide as a confession of guilt. Which leaves us where? In the Schreiber home. I'm more interested in where the girl is. Dorothy Moore? Uh-huh. Why? Because I have... Hey, Mary. Look, coming through the door. Oh, I'm not sure. Simon. Oh, hello, Dorothy. I don't know exactly how I got here. I don't recognize the place at all. Yet I should, shouldn't I? Yes, you should, Miss Moore. Because this is where you live. But I'm afraid you're not going to stay very long. What, what do you mean? I'm placing you under arrest. On suspicion of murder. You know, I love police headquarters. They're so romantic. Uh Uh-huh. Mary, how are you going to prove anything against that girl if she's suffering total amnesia? By proving that her amnesia is a fake. Oh, how? I have an alienist coming over here to look at one of our guests. I'll have him see Miss Moore, too. He's due any minute. I'll go get the girl now. I wonder. The other door. Come in. Hello. Well, you're not Murray. I was supposed... Who are you? Doll, of course. Now, what's the matter with you? What are you complaining oh, about? But I'm not oh, the one... Oh, come, that... come. We've got to get to the bottom of these things, don't we? I suppose so. Now, when you were a little boy, what did you want most of all? To be a big boy. Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of the dark? 
No. No? You are not afraid because uh, you have little friends who come to you in the dark, perhaps, eh? No. Now, why are you afraid of the dark? Oh, it's a long, long story. And, uh... You know, um, you don't look at all well. Well, I don't feel so good either. No, you should see a doctor. Thank you, thank you. I think I will. <laughs> hey, goodbye. Oh, uh, Templer. Yeah. Uh, your alienist was here, Murray, but he, he laughed. Alienist? Mm. Well, I just phoned him and told him not to come. The district attorney wouldn't hold the girl. Insufficient evidence and ballistics. Ran a paraffin test. No proof that she'd fired a gun. But uh, the man who was just in here, Dow, I think his name was? Dow? Uh -huh. He's not the alienist. He's the guy the alienist was coming to examine. He's nuts. Oh, dear. Well, I guess you're happy now that we can't hold the girl. No, no, because while you were holding her, things were safe. Now, Mary, let's go visit. Go visit where? The Schreiber house. A house where two people have died. A house very convenient for murder. Coming in. Yes, sir. Dorothy's home? Yes, sir. She got here when? Ten minutes ago, perhaps. Well, we'll go to the library. Yes, sir. She got here ten minutes ago, and and then? She sat in this room for a few minutes, uh -huh. made a phone call, and went up to bed. She uh, tried to phone you, Mr. Temper. I'll wake her up and get her down here. Uh, hold on now. Tinsley around? In the guest room, playing solitaire after you. Get him down here, too. That I will, And Walter's. Yes? You come back, too. Sure. Having fun, Temper? I don't care very much for this stage of any case, but I... What are you doing with that telephone? Hiding it under the couch here. Are you being subtle again? Again? Oh, you flatter me. Simon. Uh, hello, Dorothy. Sorry to have had you wake, oh, but... Oh, I... I wasn't asleep. I was trying to remember. Uh, you will if you get the chance. Tinsley's here in the house, isn't he? Yes, he is. For heaven's sake, is a man never to get any peace? Uh, you know Inspector Murray, Mr. Tinsley? Oh, yes. The policeman. Oh, look, now get off your polo pony and... Where's Walter? Well, now, on his way to Canada, I imagine. Dorothy, get on the phone right away. The phone? Yes, of course. <laughs> oh, well, there doesn't seem to be one in here. Perhaps in the next room. Why do you want me to phone? I don't. But you just said. Dorothy, didn't there used to be a phone in this room? I don't know I don't remember. Oh, yes, yes, you amnesia. But you remember everything that happened since the blow on your head, don't you? Of course. But then equally, of course, since you were in this room a very little while ago, and since you you used a phone in here, you should have remembered that. Why didn't you? Well, I don't know. It slipped my mind. No, Dorothy, it didn't slip your mind. You were merely being over-careful. What does that mean? It means that you are not now nor ever were suffering from amnesia. Why should I pretend to have amnesia? Because you killed your uncle. You knew you'd need something to help you out in court, so you wandered about until you found someone on whom you could try out your amnesia. That happened to be me. You're just saying those things without proof. Besides, there was a paraffin test. It indicates merely that you wore gloves when you shot your uncle. It indicates I might have worn them. If I'd shot him, you can't prove I did. I can prove your amnesia was phony, that along with some other things. How can you prove it? Very simple. Your hat. What? When you arrived at my apartment, you took your hat off, discovered a large bruise on the back of your head. 
That was to supply a plausible reason for your amnesia. But, Dorothy, as I remarked to the cab driver at the time, your hat was immaculate, untouched. You're asking us to believe that the killer knocked you out and then carefully put your hat back on your head again? I'm not asking you to believe anything. I'm going. What a charming revolver. The one you used on your uncle? It still has bullets in it, so don't try to stop me. Uh, Dorothy, you didn't ask me how I could be so sure the killer hadn't done that business with your hat. I don't care. I'm so sure because of Walter's statement. Remember, he saw you rush out immediately after the shot? All right, you're smart, but you'll never stop me. Perhaps not, but Walter's who's right behind you, oh, will. Oh, no, you can't fool me. He wasn't trying to, Miss Dorothy. I'd better... What? You're no gentleman. You knocked Miss Moore out with a bottle. Yes, sir. But but you said you were going to Canada. You misunderstood me, sir. I merely said I was going to get some Canada dry. Uh, now the bottle's ruined. That's too bad. Oh, never mind, Walt. There's no harm done. Inspector Murray, you'll take Miss Moore, and I'll take an old-fashioned. You have been listening to another adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, next week most of you will be enjoying a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. And while you're eating your Thanksgiving turkey and counting your blessings of the past year, think. Think for a moment of the millions of people who don't get enough to eat. Think, and then send your subscription right away for a food package to be delivered to some needy family in Europe. Send your contribution to CARE, C-A-R-E, New York. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. Tonight's script of the saint was written by Lou Bitties. Our cast included Peggy Weber, Ted Von Elf, Jerry Hausner, Tom Brown, and Daniel Hurley. The music was composed and conducted by Harry Zimmerman. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Thomas A. McEvity. Vincent Price is soon to be seen in Robert Lippert's production of The Baron of Arizona. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint's comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer, Merrill Ross. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Adventures of The Saint, starring Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charter, 
and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor, Vincent Price, as... The Saint. Templar. Well, if it isn't Randy Patterson. Oh, Templar, am I ever glad to see you. Just what the psychiatrist ordered. Sit down, old boy. Take a load of... Uh... <laughs> Join me in a bowl of course. Oh, thanks, but I... Ah, sirree, am I ever glad to see you. A sight for these bloodshot orbs. Yes, sirree. I realize I'm a very charming fellow and all that, Randy, but even though me thinks this greeting is just a wee bit over-enthusiastic, uh, could it be we're leading up to a touch? Oh, Templar, old boy, leave us not be mercenary. There's nothing I'd rather leave us not be. My heart goes out to you, Simon, but not my hand. <laughs> Saying that, I'll use that sometime. You just did. No, I mean in one of my books. You did. Did I? Yes, in the case of the hangman's rope, or there's bad news tonight. Say, that's right. So I did. What do you know? So, you read my books. I'm flattered. I read that one. Did you read my latest, uh, The Case of the Dead Man's Limp, or he died with his boots on and they were too tight? No, I missed that one. Too bad. Well, that's why I'm glad to see you. Because I didn't read your book? No. Because maybe you can save my life. I could be killed on account of that book. Just that one? Oh, Templar, old boy, you cut me to the quick. The case of the cut-up author, or who hacked the hack. Oh, it's no joke, Templar. You've heard of Kid Waldo? The heavyweight? Yeah, I've heard of him. Well, when he was just a punk, Georgie Garnett signed him up to manage him. Lifetime contract. Now the kid is in the higher brackets, and he's still tied to Garnett on terms he no like. Well, can't he afford a lawyer? He's got a lawyer, but Garnett swings a mean pen, no loopholes. The contract is ironclad. And your heart bleeds for the kid, and you're afraid you'll bleed to death, I think. Not exactly. You see, the kid figures an angle. Garnett has a wife. Oh, a lovely tomato, any way you look at it. And, brother, you look at it. You mean the kid looks at it? Precisely, and vice versa. You see, the kid is no bad piece of merchandise himself. Six foot four of solid muscle. Well, what about his face? Well, his face retains much of its original shape in spite of coming in contact with some of the fanciest leather in the business. Mm-hmm. Soft music, two hearts in three-quarter time. I get the picture. Well, not all of it. Don't forget uh, Garnet, husband. Ah, yes, triangle. Three hearts in two-quarter right. time. <laughs> and that's the kid's angle. Play up to the missus while she goes home. So he can use her to get better terms from Garnet, huh? Mm-hmm. Huh? Only the way I wrote it, the kid and the missus slipped the manager a dose of rock. The way you wrote it? Well, that's what I'm talking about. You wrote a book based on Kid Waldo's shenanigans with Mrs. Garnett, added murder, and put it on the newsstand? I did, so help me. And I do mean help. I see. One of your real-life characters has read the book. One of them, all of them. Uh Uh-oh. Garnett wants to know, are his wife and his spider really giving them the business? And if so, how do I know? My wife wants to know, how do I know? My kid wants to know, how do I know? Well, how do you know? Templar, please. A writer protects his sources. He'd better start protecting himself. Well, that's where you come in. Uh, how big did you say the kid is? Six four. That's where I go out. Oh, now wait a minute. I don't want any part of it, Randy. You deserve what you're getting. You should have known better than to use a real situation. Well, I didn't use their real names. You think I'm... Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Crazy? No comment. And I used a disclaimer. Any similarity except for you know. Yeah, I don't know how they caught on. But I used a switcheroo. The kid is a top heavyweight contender, but not in the book. I changed all that. Oh, you changed all that? Yeah, in the book, he's a lightweight. <laughs> now, that's what I call a switcheroo. Well, they're after my hide, so you've got to help me, Temple. Well, what do you want me to do? You expect me to tell a saint his business? Oh, you'll think of something. I already have. Oh, great, what? I'm out of shaving cream, so I better go right down to the Templar, I door. appeal to you in the name of our friendship. I'm not... You know, kidding. Randy, I'm beginning to think of a few names for our friendship that aren't exactly appealing. Oh, you wouldn't let me down. You couldn't. I could try. Is this Simon Templar speaking, my old pal, my buddy? Oh. The Simon Templar who oh, saw me through no. the darkest hours of deadly literary tea? Oh, Randy. Who stood by me when the critics <laughs> descended upon my first poor, defenseless brainchild? Oh, who was the Stop it, hey, stop it, Randy. You're breaking my heart. I'll do what I can for you, Randy. Oh, good old Templar. I knew you'd come through. But I still don't know just what you want. Well, it's simple, old man. These jokers are sore, all of them. Maybe they're after my hide. Well, that's what I've got to find out. In other words, one and all would thoroughly be delighted to see you dead. And you want to know if any of them are making specific plans for such delight, huh? Exactly. If we know what they're planning, maybe we can stop it. If, if not... You have a feeling all of a sudden any resemblance between you and a living person will be strictly coincidental. Right. <laughs> Why don't you give that punching bag a rest? It's getting tired. Who are you? Simon Templer. I'm a friend of Randy Patterson. Oh? Oh, please, kid. I want to talk to you. I got nothing to say. Well, then allow me. Look, mister. My lawyers are Smith and McCormick. It's in their hands. You want to talk, talk to them. Oh, lawyers. Yeah, lawyers. I've been libeled. I never did none of the things it says in that book. You didn't? No. Well, then how do you know that the book's about you? How do I know? How do I know? Yeah, how do you know? Why, everything that happens in that book is just exactly like a... Uh, go chase yourself, will you? Oh, kid, you're looking the wrong way. This is my head. That's the punching bag there, see? Yeah. So long, kid. My name is Simon Templer. I'm looking for George Garnett. I'm Garnett. Oh, do you always greet your guests with a gun? Lately. The monk isn't around. Oh, who's monk? Bodyguard. Templer, eh? I've heard that name. Well, uh, uh, what do you want? Well, look, I'd like to talk to you, but not in the doorway with a gun in my ribs. All right. Come in. Come in. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Templer. Templer. Oh, seems I... Uh, oh, oh, sit down there. Oh, thanks. <sighs> Have to take these blamed indigestion pills... Never stomach. Been under a strain lately. Terrible strain. 
By Jove, the saint. Uh, of course, that's right. Yes, sure, sure, Templar. Well, what brings you here, Templar? Randy Patterson asked Patterson, me to... Patterson, that rat, that skunk, that murderer. Murderer? Accomplice him. Uh-huh. Oh, who's been murdered? Nobody yet. Well, then why... Well, but somebody may be. Any minute, any time. Who? Me. That's what he said in that blast book, isn't it? Me. But that doesn't yeah, mean... Yeah, me, me, me. Well, I tell you, Templar, if I get murdered, I'll hold Patterson partly responsible. So help me, I will. Just because he said you might be killed, you have to thank him for the warning. But he won't tell me where he got the information so I can really protect myself. No, I can't sleep. I got... Where'd I put those pills? You swallow them. Oh, oh, oh. Do you know, Templar? Do you know where he got the information? No. If you knew, would you tell? <laughs> oh, yes, you would. I'll just bet. Why'd you come here, Templar? I've been wondering what you planned to do. So do! I... Do! What can I do? Look, I got a beautiful wife. We were... Well, we got along. At least I thought we did. Then he says in the book... Well, you know. Yes, I know. Oh, confounded temper, a thing like that. How can you be sure? Felice says it's a lot of eyewash. That's what she says, a lot of eyewash. But I've been watching her, watching her and the kid. That's the trouble. Gets you suspicious. Mm -hmm. I've been watching. There's something between them. I know there is. But if only I could be certain. Uh... Are you sure I took those pills? I'm sure. I mustn't forget. Doc says I'm... Well, anyway, back to what I was saying. Uh, 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 What was I saying? You think there's something between Felice and the kid? Uh, Yeah, yeah, think. If only I was... Oh, who's kidding who? I know. And if Patterson is right about that, if he's right about that, well, don't you see? See what? The murder. Oh. He could be right about that, too. It comes next. Yeah, the murder comes next. Not necessarily. That's why I got Monk. Big guy. Used to be the kid's sparring partner. Where is he? He ought to be here. Uh, Say, look, you still haven't told me what you're doing here, Templar. What do you want? Nothing more with you, Garnett, but I would like to see Felice. Is she at home? No, at the Hotel Bennett. Oh? Yes, after this business, she moved out. Said I was too suspicious. Who wouldn't be suspicious? But I love her, Templar. That's the trouble. Why did he have to... Say, do you suppose there's a chance... Oh, no. Why do I keep trying to kid myself? Get out of here, Templar, will you? Get out. I'm going, Garnett. Goodbye. Hey, wait a minute. Where do you think you're going, Mr. Oh. Monk! Monk! Oh, oh, Mr. Garnett, I I didn't know you was here. I seen this fellow come out of the living room. I didn't know who he was. Well, you might have asked before you broke my jaw. Is it broke? In at least three places. Ah, you're kidding. Is she a friend of yours, Mr. Garnett? Friend? Is anyone a friend in this doggy dog world? I don't know. Help him up, Mark. I'll help myself up, thanks. Oh. 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 All right, Monk, you want sparring practice? I'll be glad to accommodate you. Wait a minute. What's she doing here, Mr. Garnett? I'm not quite sure. What's I throw, Mark? Look, Muscle Brains, I'd already be out if you hadn't suddenly rushed to the rescue. He's right, Monk, and speaking of rushing to the rescue, where were you? Well, taking a nap. I've got to keep in condition. I might have needed you. Well, you got the Roscoe. In that case, why do I ever need you? Say, that's a thought. Perhaps a... Well, Zambler, what are you waiting for? I thought you were going. Well, this has been such a delightful get-together, I can hardly tear myself away. I can tear you away if you need any help. I doubt it, Monk. From the look of you, you don't do so good when the other fellow's in a position to fight back. If you was in the ring as long as I was, you'd be kind of banged up, too. But I was plenty good, brother. Plenty good. If you want to know, even Joe Lewis was scared of me. Yeah, yeah, he was scared to fight me. How do you like that? Lewis was scared to fight me. How do you know? Well, did he ever fight me? Not that I know. All right, then. I see what you mean. (laughs) Well, goodbye again, fellas. 
Come in. Mr. Kemper? Well, look what I get, and I didn't even send in any box tops. What? I was expecting Randy Patterson, but he can wait. In fact, I hope he does. Come in, come in. Mr. Temple, you've got to help me. Well, in that case, you'd better call me Simon. All right. And what do I call you? Felice, Felice Garnett. Oh, oh, I'm so glad to meet you, Felice. In fact, I've tried to reach you several times today. Really? Why? Well, you see, I'm a friend of Randy Patterson. I didn't know he had any friends. Well, live and learn. Yes, and I want to keep on living. That's why I came here. If you're a friend of Patterson's, maybe I made a mistake. Not necessarily. What brings you here? I heard you'd been to see my husband. I wondered what your interest in us was. I'm afraid I found out. You said you wanted me to help you. I did. When I heard you were involved, I thought you might be just the one to turn to. That was before you told me about Patterson. Any friend of his is an enemy of mine. Of course, but Felice, I believe in the old saying, love your enemy. It's rather difficult. Apparently you need someone to help you. Why not give me a try? Just, uh... What help do you need? Well, it, well, it can't hurt to tell you. I'm being framed. For what? My husband's murder. Has he been murdered? Well, not yet, but... You know, it's funny how everyone seems to take it for granted that he will be. He will. How do you know? Well, that's what it's all about. What? Didn't you read the book? Look, <laughs> just because Randy wrote a book. But that's why he wrote it, so my husband could be murdered. Is that a fact? Of course. Patterson wrote a book, thinly disguised... About me and my husband and Kid Waldo. In it, the kid and I plot to kill my husband. So George read it, got frightened. Now he suspects maybe we really are planning to kill him. He's even hired a bodyguard. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, don't you see? It's all a build-up. And George really is killed. Naturally, it looked like the kid and I did it. That's the whole idea. And Randy's in on the plot. Of course. The real killer hired him to throw suspicion on us. Just who is the real killer? I don't know. That's what I wanted you to find out. Well, it's an interesting theory, Felice. Theory? I'll check to see if it's anything more than that. You will? But but if Patterson's your friend, I... If he's pocketing blood money, this is the end of a not-so-beautiful friendship. And then, Felice, you and I could be friends. Oh, Simon, if you help me, we'll be more than friends. Aren't you forgetting just one small little item? Am I? Oh, you don't mean the kid, do you? So you don't really believe there's anything between him and me? Perish the thought. Well, then. But isn't there anything else now? Think hard. Oh, I'm no good at guessing games, Simon. What about your husband? He isn't either. I mean, before you and I give way to mad rapture, shouldn't we think about him? Oh, Oh, so that's what's bothering you. (laughs) But we don't have to worry about him. He's going to be murdered. Now, don't look now, but isn't that what you want me to prevent? His murder? Heavens, no. I just want you to prove I had nothing to do with it. You'd better run along, police. Sir No. Well, then why? I feel a previous engagement coming on. Don't tell me you're afraid of my husband. No, police. Then I don't understand. I'm afraid of you. I thought you were coming over here. Well, I've been detained, and uh, she didn't have a friend. But I'll be right over now if you've got something for me. Well, I can tell you over the phone. It seems each of your opposition has picked up reinforcements. Huh? Well, the kid has a couple of lawyers. Uh-oh. I was afraid of that. And Garnett has a bodyguard. Mm-hmm. How about Mrs. Garnett? She has me. Oh, should have known. Want to look at her and you I'm know... still running. What? But I'm afraid you're going to have to tell me who did your research for you, Randy. Hampler, I told you it was strictly confidential. Well, you can either tell me now or the police later. Police? Mm-hmm, because your character seemed determined to act out the finale of your opus. Garnett is already shopping for a coffin. But I just made up that stuff about the murder. I, I don't think the kid...
The consensus is that somebody would, so you'd better talk. But I gave my word. Did that ever stop you before? Templin, to think that you should say such a thing. You who've been so close. Trouble is, we've been too close. All right, all right. I'm a no-good, a heel, a liar. I'd sell my soul for a mess of pottage, but... At least, Templer, it's always been the best party. Mm-hmm. Now, will you please stop talking and talk? You want me to betray a confidence? I thought we'd agreed it's in character. How true. How very, very true. Well, the only... Randy! 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 Kid. Huh? Oh, you again, Temple? Yeah. Look, why don't you get lost and take Patterson with you? Patterson already got lost. That's why I'm here. I don't get it. I was talking to him on the phone. I heard shots. I called the police, and they called back from Patterson's place. He's dead. I'm not surprised. What do you know about it? He had it coming. From you? Maybe. Only somebody beat me to it. Is that so? I got nothing more to say. You want conversation? See my lawyer. Yeah, Smith and McCormick. I know. I may get around to it. Yeah, do that. at the desk. They said I'd find you here in the bar. That's where I am. Here at the bar. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Very. Well, it isn't, and I'm awesome. Nobody's been here all afternoon except my friend, Tony. Tony's my favorite bartender. Tony. Hey, Mr. Templer. Hi, Mr. Templer. Charmed. Uh, uh, Felice. Simon, bartender. Tony hit me again. My friend's setting him up. Okay, Miss Garnett. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Simon, what are you drinking? I'll just watch you. I don't know why you're here. Good. Suppose you tell me. I've been wondering. You want to know if I have an alibi? Well, I have. I came right here from your place and I've been here ever since. I see. You hate me, don't you? No. Why do you keep spying on me? I simply can't keep myself away from you. <laughs> I believe that. If you believed it, I wouldn't say it. Huh? You're just trying to mix me up. You've already mixed me up. What's this alibi you were talking about? Oh, well, for the murder, silly. Oh, and how do you know about that? It's not in the papers yet. Uh, really, Simon, for a smart man, you're the kid phone me. How else do you think I'd know? He didn't waste any time, did he? He knew I'd be interested. Nice of him to be so considerate. I thought there was nothing between you two. You are spying. I'm curious. Or maybe you're jealous. <laughs> I, uh, jealous, Simon? Terribly. I wish I believed that. What's between you and the kid? I told you nothing. He phoned you. Well, he knew I'd be interested. Oh, he's getting us no place. You could get someplace, Simon. If only you'd stop back being so sorry. So you could. Don't you like me just a little bit? Yes, Felice, I like you. Simon. Just a little bit. Simon. Who do you think killed Randy Patterson, Felice? Must we talk about this? I'm beginning to think it's the safest subject. Don't you have any idea who might have done it? No. I'm afraid I don't know what you want, Simon. I'm afraid I do know what you want. Well, get this. Isn't this cold? Oh, hello, kid. Oh, don't get the wrong idea, kid. We were just talking. Yeah, it looks like. How about the murder? You were making with the moon eyes. Oh, now, kid, believe me, there's nothing between Simon and me, not a thing. (laughs) He's right, kid. There's nothing more between us than there is between her and, say, uh, you, for example. Huh? And she has assured me your relationship was strictly platonic. Police. 
You told him that. Oh, I don't get the wrong idea. Oh, I do. I ain't got any idea. Well, what does it mean? Blader was a philosopher, a student of Socrates, who believed that if two people got... A oh, wise guy. Harry. Kid, please don't be angry. No? You play around with this guy, and then he starts cracking smart. I ought to push your face out. Oh, kid, never strike a lady. And you, too. Or a gentleman, <laughs> when the gentleman is me. Oh, yeah? We'll see. Yeah. It's yeah. all right, Felicity, miss. But not this time. Yeah. Sorry. Now that only takes one. Three strikes, you're out. Oh. Now, that's enough, kid. One more, and maybe I'd be out, so I'd better be running. See you around. <laughs> with a gun, too, Monk. That's what I like about this place. So friendly. You got no idea how friendly. Just the guy we want to see. Come in, pal. Come right in. Now, that's a switch. Last time you were all for throwing me out. Oh, that's before I learned what a sweet guy you was. Now, come on in. Oh, with such a hearty invitation, I don't see how I can refuse. <laughs> you can. <laughs> you know, Monk, this is an unexpected pleasure. When I was here before, I got the impression Garnett was considering firing you. Oh, he couldn't do that. Where is he? In back. He'll be in a minute. Now, you want to see why he couldn't fire me? Why? On account of there's some things I can do so much better. Like, for instance... Oh, you kick so beautifully, Monk. Your mother must have been a rocket. Ah, don't try to hit back. This Roscoe's looking at your belly. All of a sudden, I'm everybody's target for tonight. What's the idea? Mr. Garnett wanted to know how much Patterson told you. He asked you nice, real nice. I don't ask so nice, but I get answers. Well, you want to talk now, or shall we dance? I have nothing to say. We'll see you about that. <laughs> Still got nothing to say? I'm beginning to think of a few things, but I have an idea you wouldn't care for them. Uh, you kill me. Maybe I can do the same for you sometime, like right now, for instance, unless you're ready to talk. I'll think about it. Well, while you're thinking, put up your hands over your head. Hurry up. Don't forget the Roscoe. My old friend? How could I? That's it. And now, just to help you make up your mind, here's... Oh. Well, hello, Mr. Garnett. What's going on here? Uh, hello, Templar. Greetings, Mr. Garnett. You don't want to talk, Mr. Garnett. I've been trying to change his mind. I'll go right ahead. Don't let me stop you. I'm afraid it's no use. He's a stubborn type. Yes, so it would seem, Monk. So it would seem. Well, Templar, to what are we indebted for this return visitor? I've seen Felice. I thought you might like to know how she's getting along. Why should I care? Does she care about me? Does she ever even call? Don't stand there with your hands like that, Templar. It looks ridiculous. It's Monk's idea. You heard Mr. Garnett, Templar. Put him down. Well, if you insist. How is she, Templar? Who? Oh, oh, Felice. Fine. I was afraid of that. Afraid? I'd like to think she needed me. I've got to put her out of my mind, Templar, completely. Only answer. Tell me something, Garnett. What? Where were you this afternoon? Home. All afternoon? Yes. Why? Was anyone with you? I was. The whole time? Yes, except for another nap he likes to keep in condition. Only I didn't sleep so good. I was only gone a few minutes, just a few minutes. Half hour or so? Why, Templar? Did you try to reach me? Oh, no, couldn't have. I'd have heard the phone. If you were here. But I told so you... you I... did. Just a minute. What are you going to do? Just this. <laughs> Templar! Why, you you knocked out Monk. Yeah, so it seems. Funny, I didn't hit him very hard. You aimed at his chin. Always was his weakness. Had a wicked right, but he could never take it. Round heels. That's his trouble. Ah, I could have made a champ out of him if it hadn't been for those... Oh, but that's neither here nor there. Why'd you do it? He slugged me before when I wasn't looking. This evens the account. And it gives me a chance to get his roster. Oh? I, uh, want to point something out to you, Garnett. I didn't want Monk interfering. What? 
Randy Patterson doesn't live too far from here. I believe you could make it in 15 minutes. Perhaps so, perhaps so. What are you driving at? 15 there, 15 back. Half hour would have been long enough. For what? For you to have gone to his place and killed him. Killed him? But, but do you mean have somebody? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't pretend I'm not pleased. But surely you don't really think that I... Why, that's... Prepar- that's absurd. Well, you could have while Monk was sleeping. No, no, you don't understand. It's at least 15 minutes to Patterson's place at the very least. If you hurry, race like mad. How do you know? I've been there, but not today. Not today. But you know, you said yourself. All right, 15 minutes. Round trip in half an hour. That's all you needed. But, well, well, that was just round figures. I'm sure Monk couldn't have been out of the room for, oh, well, 20 minutes at most. You'll see when he comes to. We'll ask him. 20 minutes at the most. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll say whatever you want him to, but we'll see. Say, I just thought of something. What? Has has there been any report about the murder yet? Uh, newspaper, radio? No, not so soon. Mm-hmm. Well, then, Mr. Templer, how come you happen to know about it? A nice point, Garnett, but notice what big ears I have, Grandpa. I overheard. Overheard? In telephone. Come on, Monk, wake up. Wake up. Mm. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey where is he? I, oh, hey, hey, it was an accident. I, I slipped. I hit my head. You didn't... Sure, Monk, sure. What big ears you have, too, Monk. Genuine cauliflower. How did you hear about it? Hear about what? The murder. Who, me? I'm... Obviously, Garnett didn't know about the murder, or he wouldn't have stuck his neck out by admitting you were out of the room. He didn't start crawling until I mentioned the murder. That's right, Templer. You noticed... But I also noticed that Monk was very busy trying to build the alibi before I mentioned the murder. Well, sure, I I was trying to protect Mr. Garnett. After all, I got a great sense of loyalty. No, Monk, you haven't got any sense of loyalty or any sense. How did you know he needed protection unless you knew about the murder? Of course. How did he know? Unless he was a murderer. Are you crazy? Maybe, Monk. But the alibi you were preparing for Garnett would have worked for you, too. If you were here with Garnett, you couldn't have committed the murder. Isn't that why you insisted you were gone only a few minutes? My head hurts. I got nothing to say. But, Templar, what motive would Monk have? There's one thing we've all been wondering about, Garnett. How did Randy find out about your wife and the kid? Must have been from someone who was close to the kid, say, a sparring partner, for instance. Ha-ha! Ha-ha! Templar, you hit it! I think so. Monk gave Randy the information. Then when things got hot, Monk was afraid Randy might snitch, so he killed him to silence. That's it, Templar, that's it. Monk, you scoundrel, you villain, you... Ah, shut up. Monk, that's insubordination. Now, come on, Monk. You and I are going to police headquarters. Who says Ah, uh-huh, Monk, don't try to get tough. Maybe Joe Lewis is as scared of you, but I ain't. Come on, let's go. You have been listening to another adventure of the saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, take a memo to the future. The date, make it 1958. The message, cash in your United States savings bonds. Take your savings plus the additional dollar for every three invested and, well, you finish the memo. Perhaps you'll end it with a home or a business of your own, with a college education for the children, with financial security. Whatever your dream for the future, you can make it come true with a program of regular saving. And there is no surer, more profitable way of saving than through the purchase of United States savings bonds. Remember these points. United States savings bonds are safe, They are profitable, they are convenient to buy, and they are redeemable at any time at the purchase price plus accumulated interest. If employed, you can buy United States savings bonds where you work by having your employer set aside an amount each week. If self-employed, 
Buy your savings bonds through your bank on a bond-a-month basis. Make that dream come true. Remember, automatic saving is sure saving. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at this same time for another exciting adventure of the saint. Good night. by Jerome Epstein. Our cast included Betty Lou Gerson, Bonnie Phillips, Stanley Farrar, Edmund McDonald, and Tom Brown. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saints, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production, His Kind of Woman. All you Saints fans will be glad to know that the Saints comic books are on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Here Nightbeat, the story of Chicago after dark. Listen as Randy Stone searches the city for adventure and a story of mystery and intrigue. Nightbeat is another great action-packed program, so be sure to listen tomorrow night and every Monday night to Nightbeat. Next, Sam Spade cuts the caper. Then hear Dorothy Maynard on NBC. Vincent Price. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris and known to millions from books, magazines, and motion pictures. The Robin Hood of modern crime now comes transcribed to radio, starring Hollywood's brilliant and talented actor Vincent Price as The Saint. Mr. Templer. Mr. Templer. I'm asleep. Mr. Templer. Noisy dream. You're not dreaming, That's Mr. Templer. That's what you say. I'm alone in my bedroom. I'm in bed. It's oh, dark. Oh, but you're not alone. I'm here. Go away. I'm sorry. I didn't climb into your bedroom in the middle of the night merely to go away again. Well, what did you expect? A 21-gun salute? I expect your attention. You can't see me, can you? No, I'd be even happier if I couldn't hear you. But I can see you, however... You're silhouetted against the window behind you. That was cunning of me. It helps me aim the gun I'm pointing at you. I'm so glad. I'd hate to have your aim suffer. What do I do now? Get up, put the lights on, You don't do anything of the kind. No? Why? Are you shy? Yeah. Let's say I'm shy. (laughs) That's why you insist on holding this conversation with me in the dark. The conversation, obviously, that wouldn't be about the weather. What would it be about? Well... I'm a writer. A writer and shy? Nonsense. I need some advice. The only advice I can give all writers is don't. I'm writing a book about murder. I'm calling it The Story of a Perfect Crime. Sounds interesting. Thank you. What I came here for was to have you tell me whether or not the murder my book deals with is really a perfect crime. Go on. The man to be murdered, in my book, that is, suffers from heart disease. 
He's a completely unpleasant character, a financier and a crooked one. A man who deserves to die. Mm-hmm, and he suffers from heart disease. For this condition, he takes daily, at stated hours, capsules containing medicine. Capsules upon which his life depends. Now then, the murderer, in my book, that is, decides to poison the financier. Well, that's not cricket. No, it's murder. Murder that will be poisoning without poison. I'm waiting breathlessly for the next chapter. The murderer steals one of the capsules, pours the medicine out, and replaces the medicine with powdered sugar. He returns the capsule to the financier's pillbox. In due course, the financier reaches the capsule, takes it. His weak heart, lacking the medicine he needs, fails. And there you have poisoning without poison. Mmm, very ingenious. <laughs> I think so. The poisoner can't be traced through the poison he purchased because he didn't purchase any. The murdered man is assumed to have died a natural death. An autopsy will show no poison in his body since there wasn't any. <laughs> well, is it the perfect crime? I can't see any flaws in it. Good. Then if you can't, I don't imagine the critics will. Don't you mean the uh, police? The poli Why should the police be interested in a book I'm writing? Why should the critics be interested in the murder you're committing? You're not serious. You are. I... I rather think I must leave now. Be getting light soon. No, no, don't move. I still have the gun pointing at you. If I had to shoot you, it wouldn't be a perfect crime, but you'd be dead nonetheless. <laughs> but that wouldn't interest you, would it? Well, good night, Mr. Templer, and uh, pleasant dreams. Thanks. Loads. Mr. Templer. And the morning paper. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're up early this morning, aren't you? I, uh, I couldn't sleep. Hey, any resemblance between this toast and toast is purely coincidental. What does your chef do, tan the stuff? Oh, no, Mr. Templer. He probably uses old shoe leather. What's the matter? Don't you like the headlines? Can't say that I do. Frank A. Clark, noted financier, dies of heart attack as police arrest him for alleged embezzlement. Oh. Was he a friend of yours, Mr. Templer? No. But he was a financier. He was crooked. And he had a weak heart. <laughs> no wonder he died when he got arrested. Depends on whether he took medicine in uh, capsules. What depends on that, sir? Murder, my friend. Murder. I... Oh, no, Louie. Oh, yeah, Louie. Out of all the taxi cabs in this city, why do I keep getting yours? Out of all the fans in this city, why do I keep getting you? You have a point there. I'll go right home and shop. You'll stay where you are. You want to go home with me? No. What's the matter with my home? Nothing. I live there, don't I? My wife lives there. My kids live there. You have no children. Don't get personal. I'm sorry. Man spends every spare minute he's got hoping. Louis. Did Julius Caesar have children? Did Alexander the Great have children? Did Napoleon have children? Yes. Me, they didn't send an announcement to. Louis, 
Will you please drive me to 1893 Waterview Drive? I'm in a hurry. Okay, okay. 1893 Waterview Drive. Who lives there? A gentleman named Frank A. Clark. Except that he doesn't live there, Louie. He's, uh, dead there. <laughs> going to keep company with a corpse, Mr. Templer? I am going to visit his surviving relatives, if any. Why? Does it occur to you that it might be none of your business? Sure. It's none of your business? Well, now that we got that clear, why are you going to visit his relatives? Louis, stop the car, quick! Louis, stop! What happened? We've reached 1893 Waterview Drive. Oh, I'm careless about little details like that. Here, Louis, and don't forget to mention it to your income tax collector. I'll write to him. Hey, don't you want me to wait? No, but you will, Louie. You will. Hello. Hello there. Hello. Uh, this is the Clark home, isn't it? Sure, and I'm the Clark niece. And you're... I'm a Templar, an old friend of your uncle's. You're not old. Well, I... And you're not a friend of my uncle's. Come in, anyway. Oh, thank you. Because maybe you can be a friend of mine. Oh. In here. Uh, tell me, uh, do you need a friend? No, but I like them. And they're as tall as you. And Oh, my name is Inez. Inez Francis. I'm very glad to know you, Miss Francis. It probably won't be when you really get to know me. Mm-hmm. I realize perhaps I shouldn't have come today. You must be all broken up by your uncle's death. Who, me? Well... Perhaps the family. Well, that's me. I'm the family. Your uncle must have been a lonely man. No, he didn't mind. He had me in the market and all those people he was swindling. Oh, and of course he had Mr. Hartzell and Charlie Melvin. Who are Hartzell and Charlie Melvin? Charlie's sort of a weedy youth. Uncle's secretary. Very anemic. I ignore him. And Hartzell? Uncle's lawyer. And I fondly suspect as big a crook as Uncle was. But very spatted, you know. Spatted? Uh Uh-huh. On the shoes. And gardenia in the buttonhole. And I have a sneaking suspicion, whiskey in the liver. How untidy. Uh, nobody else close to Uncle? Nope. Well, then it boils down to one of you three. What does? Who's happy now that Uncle's dead? I am. Hartzell is. Charlie is. That covers the field. Why? Uncle had a lot of money. I get it now. Hartzell stole some money from Uncle. He won't go to jail now. Charlie was implicated in Uncle's crooked deal. Charlie won't go to jail now. Mm. And uh, who has a, a deep, slightly hoarse voice? I don't. No. Which means that you're not the one who came to my room last night. No, but if you ask prettily, perhaps I'll come tonight. I know. So. Look at your etchings. <laughs> I don't have any etchings. I'll bring some with me. Um, are the others around? Mm-hmm. Sitting around practicing grief-stricken looks for the funeral. That happy event is this afternoon. I'd better get dressed for it. But you are dressed. Uh, But not for a funeral. Would you excuse me for just a minute? Of course. Oh, Oh, here you are, Nia. Greetings, Mr. Templer. This is Charlie. Charlie, this is Mr. Templer. Glad to meet you. How do you do? He doesn't. Entertain Mr. Templer for me, Charlie. I gotta find a dress that's sad-looking. I'd like to stay and entertain you, but um, I've got to hurry. You see, I'm Mr. Clark's secretary. In his condition, I... he doesn't need a secretary. <laughs> well, I'm Mr. Clark's former secretary. No, no, I'm the former Mr. Clark's... Se- no, I get I... it now. Relax. Oh, I'm relaxed. 
Well, then why are you in such a hurry? Well, I have to go out and hire some mourners, haven't I? Why? Well, it wouldn't look nice if there were only three of us at the funeral. I near as Mr. Hartsville and myself. No, especially since you'll all be grinning from ear to ear. May I ask you a question? Of course. Has your voice ever been deeper? Deep? <laughs> Heaven, no. <laughs> That's a... Goodbye. Charlie, my boy. Or is he, my boy? Oh, this... Oh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Templer, and I'm... Uh, Hartzell is my name. I, I'm sorry. I, I can't talk to you now. I'm in a hurry. Why? And my tailor is expecting me. Your tailor? You'd hardly expect me to attend Mr. Clark's funeral in this, would you? Impossible. Ah, you see? Uh, so, if you don't mind, I'll just run along. Oh. Yes? What are you doing here? Looking for a man with a deep voice. Oh, sorry, mine isn't. But why are you looking for a man with a deep voice? He told me how Mr. Clark was murdered. Well, that explains it. What? Yes, he was murdered. But, but Mr. Clark died of heart failure. Indeed. You must be a... I, I demand an explanation immediately. You've forgotten one thing, Mr. Harper. Now, what's that? Your tailor is waiting. But I... And tailors are sometimes very temperamental. Besides, we can discuss this some other time. This evening? This evening. Uh, here's my card. I, I'd appreciate your coming. If Mr. Clark was murdered, something must be done about it. Something will be. Who knocks at my gate? Enter. live on sufferance and breathe with difficulty, Templar. <laughs> Hello, Desmond. <laughs> what happy winds waft you hither, Simon the Subtle? Uh, Desmond, I'm not an audience. Oh, Templar, I'm an old ham. And contrary to what they say, hams do not improve by aging. Still the gay adventurer? Well, I'm not especially gay at the moment. Murder. Oh, the last murder that was of any interest to me was that Elsinore thing. You know, when Claudius and Gertrude put their heads together and slipped Gertrude's royal husband... A slug of poison in the ear. I remember it well. And the fat prince, uh, uh, Hamlet, I think his name was, mooned about like a ninny, sending Ophelia to a watery grave and the rest of the cast to a most bloody one. <laughs> you you would have made a good Hamlet. Bless you! Oh, I, I wanted to play Hamlet. Instead, they preferred me as a ventriloquist, confound them. That's why I'm here. You've been a ventriloquist. Oh. I'm involved in a case which hangs on the identity of a voice. Desmond, could anyone change his voice so that it would be completely different from his real voice? Oh, yes. But you'd always know that the second voice wasn't natural. That does it, then. Does what, Simon? Look, Desmond, three people wanted a man named Clark dead. Clark is dead. Well, presumably, therefore, one of the three killed Clark. Yes. Now, I was told of the method whereby Clark was going to be killed. By a very distinctive voice in the dark. Therefore, the problem was simple. Find which of my three suspects had a voice like that and go on from there. Well? Not one of the three has that kind of voice, which leaves me with an interesting problem, but leaves a murderer free to go on murdering. <laughs> the nearest bookstore. You can't have it. It belongs to a guy named Pestlethwaite. Would you please drive me there quickly? Okay. What's the matter? 
suddenly decided you want to curl up in front of a fire with a good book? Uh, for that, I'd rather have Inez. Uh, no, Louis, I merely want to find out how a man can die of poisoning without being poisoned. <laughs> He didn't have the book I wanted. I know a place. Uh, not that kind of book, Louis. What I wanted was a book on heart diseases. Oh, like reading, huh? Interesting. Heart diseases? These stores had one book on heart disease in stock until yesterday. So? Yesterday, the book was sold to a man, Pestlethwaite told me, who behaved in a strenuously agitated fashion. A man named Hartzell. Maybe the name was bothering him. Which reminds me, where am I taking you? Naturally, Louis, to a man named Hartzell. Hartzell in or uh, on his way to Mexico or uh, in? Mr. Templer. Yes, Mr. Hartzell. Come in, come in at once. Oh, thank you. Oh, I am jittery. That, that funeral this afternoon. I see. Well, have you tried reading? It's very soothing. I have no patience with books. Now, uh, please, talk. Not even books on heart disease? Hmm? Oh, why? Uh, uh, excuse me. Hello? Oh, yes, Inez. What? Oh, how dreadful. Oh, yes, at once. Goodbye. You're pale. I'm shocked. Charlie Melvin. You know him? Mr. Clark's secretary. Yes, well, it seems that something's happened to him. Why? He's dead. Tell him to hurry, Temper, hurry. Oh, we're almost there. Mr. Hartzell, did Inez say who discovered the body? Oh, yes, she did. She'd been visiting some friends, returned home, and... Couldn't have been an accidental death. Coincidence doesn't stretch that far. You know, if he was murdered... You still think the police believe Clark was murdered, too? Not the police, me. Oh, Mr. Hartlock. Oh, Simon. <laughs> Hello, Annette. Uh, come in. Getting to be embarrassing, all of a sudden death. It might be more than embarrassing. It might be fatal. It was, but Charlie... How did it happen? He shot himself. The police have... I you... just phoned him. Oh, well, then we'd better hurry. Come on. Well, this is his room. In here. I heard the shot. And... When? About an hour ago. But you phoned Hartzell here only 15 minutes ago. I didn't know it was a shot at first. Charlie was supposed to come upstairs. When he didn't, I realized... Well, there he is. Yes. Yes, definitely dead and... Note. Oh, imagine that boy committing suicide. Let's see what the note says. I killed Clark because if he'd been arrested, I would have gone to jail too. But now the police suspect he was murdered, and they suspect me. I might as well get it over with before they do. And it's signed, Charlie Melvin. Oh, that sort of clears up that, doesn't it? Yes, except for one thing. What's that? Charlie's voice wasn't deep enough. Alexander Graham Bell's little invention should sometimes be strangled. 
I'm asleep, and so should you be. Templer? Yes. Hartzell? Listen, I'm at the Ensign Club on Trocadero. Yes? Uh, I couldn't go home. Charlie's death so soon after Clark's. Anyway, remember that voice you told me about? I remember it very well. I just heard it. What? Uh, the man with the voice like the one you described was here. I'll be right over. Uh, he's gone now, but I, I followed him outside and heard him give the cab driver his address. Good boy. I have my car. I'll pick you up immediately. Fine, fine. We can go right after him. It's some distance outside the city. The guy traveled to the North Pole for him. You don't measure miles when chasing phantoms. <laughs> I, I can't be absolutely sure it's the man you want. Me? I'm grabbing at straws. But his voice did sound like your description. It was at a club to which Clark belonged. I'll make it worth a try. All I need is to hear him say something, anything, a word, a phrase, and I'll know. Oh, that shouldn't be difficult once we get to him. Once we get to him. Only thing worries me is... Uh, yes? That his voice can still be heard by the time we get to him. <laughs> Way to the North Pole. So you didn't take me literally, did you? You shouldn't be much farther. Uh, Templar. Yes? I don't understand about Charlie. I can't see him murdering Clark somehow. You don't believe he did it? Do you? Not especially. Oh, why not? I don't know. Intuition, maybe. Ooh, our little stranger likes seclusion, doesn't he? Evidently. You know, the police accepted that suicide note without question. Did they? Uh, there's the house. Oh, there aren't any lights showing. Well, he must have got here sometime before us. Uh, went to bed, I guess. Yeah, probably. I wonder. Do you think he'll recognize you? Well, probably. I couldn't see him, but he saw me. Well, that might be bad. Uh, are you armed in case he tries anything? No, but we'll manage. Well, suppose he refuses to to say anything at all. Well, that in itself would answer our question, wouldn't it? We uh, ring? Certainly. Nothing if not courteous. <laughs> it's so... So dark out here. So far from anything. Yeah, dark and lonely. You put it beautifully. He, he doesn't answer. Try the door. Uh, very well. It's open. Good. Then we can walk right in. I can't see a thing. Yeah, wait a minute. I'll light a match. There, the light switch to your left, Arthur. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. Oh, that's much better. Now then, mm, it's a very charming house you have here, Mr. Hart. What did you say? I said you have a very charming house here. My house? Well, you didn't really think I was fooled, did you? That voice you heard in your club was a fiction. It had to be. Our trip here was planned by you so that we'd be alone here. Well, why, why would I want that? The better to kill me, my friend. Kill you, you say? That's what I say. Why, why... Would I want to kill you? And because, like yourself, I think that suicide note of Charlie's was a fake. Oh, I never said... I did. It is a fake. How did you know? The note ran to the effect that Charlie was committing suicide because the police suspected him of murdering Clark. But the police didn't suspect Clark of being murdered. Well, perhaps not, but you did. Yes, but Charlie didn't know that, Mr. Hartzell. I didn't tell him. I... Oh, very well. Just stay right where you are. Mm, what a handsome revolver. I did kill Charlie. 
so that there wouldn't be any investigation into Clark's death. I, I, I couldn't afford that. If you kill me, there will be an investigation. No, because no one knows you came here with me. You're not going to die. You're going to disappear. Oh? In my friends. I wouldn't like that too warm. I'm afraid your likes can no longer be considered. Well, in that case, I'll have a cigarette. Let me see now which pocket. Hey, hold on. Oh, I'm... Mr. Hart, who do you want? Oh, my. You dropped your revolver. <laughs> now I have two. You... You said you weren't armed. I'm such a liar. But then, you see, I knew when you asked me why you asked me. So perhaps I'll be forgiven. Uh, Templar, I killed Charlie, but... I didn't kill Clark. I swear I didn't. Good heavens, Mr. Hartzell. I never for a moment thought you did. It's a beautiful night time. Poor Mr. Hartzell, all shut up in a dungeon cell. Yes, I'm afraid the beauties of the night are lost to him. Those beauties are also lost to Charlie and Mr. Clark. Mm, don't be morbid. They're better off dead. Well, it would have been nicer to leave that decision to them. Mr. Hartzell, bless his fussy old soul, was really an impulsive man. The foolish one. Mm. Let's not talk about him anymore. Let's talk... Of your uh, uncle. Why? Because Hartzell didn't kill him. Oh, a man came to me in the middle of the night, in the darkness, so that I never saw him, and told me of a plan to murder Mr. Clark. It was a good plan, absolutely undetectable. The man left. All through this case, I've been looking for a man with a voice like the one that told me of murder. And? There were three people involved. Yourself, who'd get the money if Clark died. Charlie, who'd be saved from jail. Hartzell, who'd be free of embezzlement. Mm. Uncle certainly spread a lot of joy when he died. Charlie was murdered by Hartzell, but Charlie's was not the voice that spoke to me, nor was Hartzell's. Then whose voice could it possibly have been? Mm, that's the central problem. All right, why did the man come to me in the first place? Well, according to you, to make sure his method of murder would never be detected. But in coming to me, my dear, didn't he make sure of the very opposite? Oh. Well, then he must have wanted you to... That's right. That's right. He wanted me to detect murder, but why? Obviously not because he was going to murder anyone. I don't understand. The only voice in this case that I haven't heard is the voice of your uncle. My uncle? He was my visitor. But why? Why did he do it? Because nobody was going to murder him. What could he hope to accomplish? What he did accomplish. Inez, your uncle was an old man with heart disease on the verge of being arrested for theft, swindling. He knew he wouldn't survive even the shortest prison term. He probably suspected that the strain of the arrest itself might be fatal. And it was. But before he died, he wanted revenge on the lawyer who cheated him and on the secretary who deserted him. So he came to me with his story, figuring that when he died perfectly naturally, murder would be suspected where no murder had taken place. And it worked, didn't it? Because Hartzell killed Charlie. Hartzell himself is going to die for it. Yes. Your uncle must have been quiet. Simon. Yes? There's a moon. We've talked of unhappy things long enough. Mm-hmm. Got any etching? Mm-hmm. Hey, wait a minute. I thought you didn't have any the last time I asked you. The last time you asked me, my dear, you were a suspect for murder. Now? Now? Now you're beautiful, you're blonde, and... Yes? It's just plain murder.
transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price. Ladies and gentlemen, poison doesn't always come in bottles. And it isn't always marked with the skull and crossbones of danger. Poison can take the form of words and phrases and acts. The venom of racial and religious hatred. Here in the United States, perhaps more than ever before, we must learn to recognize the poison of prejudice and to discover the antidote to its dangerous effects. Evidences of racial and religious hatred in our country place a potent weapon in the hands of our enemies, providing them with the ammunition of criticism. Moreover, group hatred menaces the entire fabric of democratic life. As for the antidote, you can fight prejudice, first by recognizing it for what it is, and second by actively accepting or rejecting people on their individual worth, and by speaking up against prejudice and for understanding. Remember, freedom and prejudice can't exist side by side. If you choose freedom, fight prejudice. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the saints. Good night. Script of the Saint was written by Louis Vitties. Our cast included Gene Bates, Lou Merrill, Fred Howard, Jack Edwards Jr., and Larry Dobkin. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that the Saint comic books are now on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Programs, get your programs here. Tomorrow night here in Nightbeat, the adventures of newspaper reporter Randy Stone is portrayed by Frank Lovejoy. Listen as Randy works the nightbeat of a newspaper in search of unusual, interesting stories. At Nightbeat tomorrow night, next Sam Spade cuts a caper. Then Zeno Franciscati plays on NBC. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.